0: Hi, this is Gina, and welcome to a very special edition of Resisting Galead, the Mayday episode for Roe vs. Wade. So welcome back, everybody. Granted, we are back a little bit sooner than I thought we would be, especially considering the air date for... Season five of The Handmaid's Tale is not until September 14th, but as you know, this past Friday, June 24th, we had some significant news here in the U.S. where the Supreme Court of the United States decided to overturn Roe versus Wade, which effectively bans abortion in the United States, leaving it up to individual states to decide if abortion care for women will be legal or not. And unfortunately, this triggered a lot of states to go into having abortion care become immediately illegal with several other states expecting to follow in the coming days due to something of a grace period that may have been in place for that state. So I knew when I heard about this news on Friday, that I would have to podcast about it. The day went by so fast. It was you know, early in the morning when I first heard. And then all of a sudden it was three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and it seemed to fly by because of just kind of all the news that was coming in, all the discussions being had on the news, seeing everything on social media that was coming in. really overwhelming and and frankly i hadn't felt this physically ill about a news event since i think the night that donald trump got elected president of the united states in 2016 even january 6 wasn't quite this bad um but friday was bad it felt it felt bad um i still heard something on the news this morning i just really made me physically want to throw up again. And I wanted to take the time just to share some of my thoughts, to also share some resources of things that I either watched or listened to that I thought were really good information and worth having to listen to or read of just to get more information. And I also kind of wanted to hopefully wrap things up with some potential steps that everyone can consider and take in the coming weeks, months, as everyone tries to navigate through this and what it might, what it might mean. For more than half of the population in the United States, um, apparently women are second-class citizens. Uh, something I hear people say a lot are guns now have more rights than women in the United States. Um, which feels pretty true, and um, just what this might mean for other things moving forward. So I'm just going to start off by sharing a story of what the late 80s, early 90s looked like for me in high school, growing up in California, but in a very conservative pocket of California that is still very red, very Trump centric, even today, and a couple stories about a couple girls who I'd heard got pregnant and how they decided to not be pregnant anymore. I know today there is a Planned Parenthood about an hour away from where I grew up. I honestly don't know if that Planned Parenthood was there when I was in high school or not, but I can tell you that the morning after pill plan B was definitely not available to me when I was in high school. That was just not an option. So one of these girls that I knew fairly well, more when we were younger, who I heard was pregnant, supposedly, so one of the girls I knew Decided to terminate her pregnancy by starving herself for a week until she miscarried. And from what I understand, she was successful with that. At the same time, this girl was very thin to begin with. And this could have easily backfired on her had she somehow passed out and lost consciousness at school, and an ambulance was brought in and they took her to the hospital and decided to run tests. But That was kind of a sad and shocking thing to hear. And then there was another girl who was pregnant, was visibly pregnant, denied being pregnant, continued on with life as though she was definitely not pregnant, doing things that many pregnant women are advised against doing. And I honestly don't know if she was actually in denial or not, or if she was intending just to kind of, I don't want to say self-harm, but just really not take care of herself during this time in an effort to end the pregnancy. But um, eventually there were a couple things she participated in that probably led to that pregnancy ending quite late in the pregnancy not you know maybe around six or seven months even Uh, and I doubt this this girl had been to a doctor at any time because she was flat out denying she was pregnant when it was clear to everyone she was and and that's something else that I think could have been very dangerous both to her I mean to her really um, especially the denial so you know these are a couple very lonely, desperate stories of girls who even when they were living in a state where abortion care was legal, the stigma around it still in the late 80s, early 90s was just so great, especially coming from a super conservative community. Um, And, I don't know. They were two of the first people that popped into my mind with Friday's news, just thinking how many more of these girls are going to have to go through stuff like this and even worse, potentially Um, even worse. So those are some real life stories that I know of, of just people who are pregnant that did not want to be. I also have a few stories of of women I worked with who were pregnant, who did want to be pregnant, wanted the babies that would result from those pregnancies very much. And for a variety of reasons, um, they found out midway through their pregnancies that the fetus would not be viable for very long outside the womb. Parts of the fetus's brains were missing. There was a genetic wasting disease. Uh, you know, just kind of things you never even think about that lead to a woman needing to have abortion care to not, not just save her physical health, but her mental health as well. And so even care like this is going to be banned in several states where the mother needs an abortion, whether she wants the baby or not, but, you know, for her health, for health reasons. And that's also very disturbing. Now, in some of these states, they're really going to crack down hardcore. And they're saying that there's, you know, going to be no morning after pill for available to rape victims. And granted, a lot of rape victims do not report their rapes to the police and go to the hospital right afterwards to get the care they probably need. It's a whole nother issue. You know, and then you have incest victims, like, oh, well, they should be able to to get abortions if they need to, it's like, or if they're raped, they should be able to get a morning after pill. Well, that, that pill might not be available. And some of those, girls might be too young to even realize what's happening to them can result in pregnancy. So it's, it's kind of an ugly mess. Um, in terms of high school, there are also some people I went to high school with that are completely repugnant, especially on the, this topic. And like, there's, there's someone I know who has two daughters and he said, rape and incest only make up one to 2% of pregnancies. And why should those innocent lives be aborted because of a crime? And I'm just thinking, oh my God, this means you'd force your daughter to carry fetus to life. I mean, it's just utterly insane and sad and gross and there's someone else that said, oh, maybe women will finally learn how to use contraception. And I'm just thinking, dude, you know, I I know people who ended up with babies because the condom fell off. (laughs) And, you know, this is before plan B. You can't, and it wasn't the woman's fault, (laughs) you know, just like really disgusting things like that. Just belittling women, of course, because these are, you know, the people that are for this are, are anti-woman, anti-women of color, anti-poor women. It's it's disgusting. Um, it's utterly disgusting. And and honestly, I think it's part of a bigger issue to try, to um, ultimately find ways to criminalize liberal voters so they can never vote in elections again. Because if if you become a felon because you try to get an abortion or help someone get an abortion in one of these states now, you'll probably be stripped of your voting rights and you won't be able to vote anymore. So um, it's a pretty smart way to try and take a big whack out of uh, the female voting population. That's just kind of one of my perspectives on it. And that kind of comes down to who's to blame for all of this. So yes, SCOTUS decided this and people might be able to say we have three illegitimate judges on that court today. But regardless of that, regardless of people not voting for Hillary because they didn't like her enough in 2016 and us ending up with Trump and him making these decisions, You know, this all comes down to making sure you consistently exercise your right to vote on a regular basis, because if you want to have any hope. At protecting your other rights, you need to use this one right every single election, not just during presidential years, but in every local election, you have to decide your your local judges your local representatives, um, your statewide representatives. It's really, you know, the Republican Party has been working towards this for 40 plus years, this overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I just think if more people in this country voted whenever there was an election, we wouldn't be in this situation. We just wouldn't. And I know... (laughs) As someone who's voted in every election they could vote in since the time they were 18 and eligible to vote, I can say, yes, a lot of times elections don't go the way you want them to, Um, but it's not a reason to stop voting. It's just not a reason. See, Ella's very angry in the background now you can hear her barking. She's really pissed off too. Um, She's saying, bark, vote, bark, vote. Anyway, (laughs) you have to vote in every single election. Uh, And you have to, you know, you have to be consistent about it. It's the only way to see mark change. And you have to encourage your friends who don't vote to vote. Um, I know people who moved here from theocratic countries who do not vote, they are citizens of the United States now they had been part of a theocracy and they do not vote and i just think god damn it are you effing kidding me <laughs> like this is the best thing you could possibly get out of getting out of that country into this one is you have at least some small say in what happens especially at a local level like you don't care about voting for the president you know, and you're in a big state like California, where it's going to be blue the majority of the time, fine, but at least pick your local representatives. Anyway, that's my mini rant. Um, So all of us who have not been consistently voting for the past 20, 30 years are to blame for this in some way, shape, or form. Um, If you've been able to vote, some people aren't able to vote for you know, some of the reasons I mentioned earlier, which usually is a criminal record, um, or because they're not citizens of the United States. So I wanted to talk about a few things that I listened to since this news broke that I think are well worth looking for and listening to, if you can. Um, The first was a statement from Heather Cox Richardson on Friday. She's a historian and professor, I think it, Boston College or Boston University, I may be wrong, but she will often write these very thoughtful Facebook posts that really explain in a lot of detail what's going on in our country today and why and some of the historical context around it. And she did a great YouTube video. I want to say it was about 30 minutes long. A lot of highs and lows for me because I was like, Oh, okay. And then I was like, Oh, no, she's saying XYZ. And that seems really bad. And, Oh, but she's very optimistic. But, you know, (laughs) but historical context, she provided some really interesting points that aren't necessarily just tied to Roe v. Wade, but tied to more kind of political cycles and trends and things that I found very interesting. Rachel Maddow's show from Friday night, very good watch or listen. I believe they podcast out her shows, so you could also listen to it. Um but there is something that was said on there that frankly scared the shit out of me, which I'll get into in a little bit in terms of what some of this overturning of Roe v. Wade what the repercussions could be kind of beyond just the obvious. So she was a good view slash listen. The New York Times, the daily podcast on Friday recorded a special episode. It was pretty good. Michael Barbaro always has on one of the reporters who covers SCOTUS, that's his full-time beat, you know, and he's had a lot to cover (laughs) the last, you know, four to six years for sure. I will say that starts out with some very to me disturbing commentary from people that were at the rallies that are on the um, air quotes pro life side uh, of things that I was just like oh Serena Joy you know there a lot of Serena Joys and Aunt Lydias out there that's for sure there's a podcast I listen to because I I subscribe to Pod Save America, the, the guys from Crooked Media, um, who a lot of them are former Obama staffers, but they have a they have a kind of a, a, a collection of podcasts under their crooked media banner. And they threw up one that is a podcast called Strict Scrutiny. And this is three women who are incredibly legally savvy and like the first 10 to 15 minutes of it, it was in some ways, almost over my head, legalese wise, I was just kind of like, Oh, wow, this is a lot. And they're really smart. And they really kind of understand the intricacies and nuances of of these and of everything happening. And, and then they kind of went into portions of some of the statements that were made by the justices along the way, and kind of broke them down. And, over time it got a little more relaxed and they kind of threw in some comic relief, but um, that's a very good podcast. Um, I was really impressed. And I think I'm probably going to sign up for that one and listen to it um, more regularly. Um, I do love the pod save America podcast. However, sometimes those guys are just like, man, my, I feel like I, my, it raises my blood pressure because I get so freaked out and they get so angry too (laughs) and it makes me angry. But strict strict scrutiny was very interesting. I was also listening to, if you could find anything and everything that is an interview written or video by Claire McCaskill. She's a former representative from Missouri who is a Democrat and she was ousted kind of during the Trump times and um you know there are a lot of states where you definitely don't want to be a woman right now and let me tell you missouri is one of them and i heard her talking today and she knew at a at a certain level how bad it was going to be for women in missouri but she said she spent the weekend really digging into some of the laws And um, she was utterly horrified because in the state of Missouri, the way they have these laws that now criminalize abortion care for women set up, it basically gives more power and rights to the rapists of these women uh, who might end up getting pregnant from rape. Um, They're like, no morning after pill, no this. It's like, basically anything a woman does that might prevent a fertilized egg from implanting in the uterus is now going to be illegal. So that also goes for IUDs for sure. And it looks like it's going to impact IVF as well. So, you know, embryos on ice, that's, that's a big question. Um, and that kind of leads me to What's going to happen next? Roe v. Wade's been overturned. What does that, what does that mean? What else might happen? There were a lot of statements made by some of these Supreme Court justices, primarily Clarence Thomas, but Brett Kavanaugh had some pretty slick and slimy statements he made. Um, the strict scrutiny crew went over that, and so basically, like in Missouri, they could go after IUDs. They will likely go over, go after IVF. And interestingly, a week before Roe v. Wade was overturned, I was listening to NPR in the car and they were doing a Science Friday that was dedicated to what happens to IVF treatment and embryos if Roe v. Wade gets overturned. So Science Friday was on top of it um, because theoretically, if you have a frozen embryo, that's technically a life. And does that mean you have a responsibility to implant that embryo and bring it to term? It's kind of looking like, yes. And if you don't, then maybe they're gonna throw you in jail for it. That's kind of a question mark to wait, see, bide your time. Morning after pill slash plan B pill, you know, um, same kind of thing you might already have a fertilized egg at that point. Um, they might rip that away largely because some people call that the abortion pill too. It's not, but it's, you know, it's controversial. It's already been controversial. There are already States. You can't necessarily get it in. There's a whole movie called plan B. I believe it's on Hulu and it's all about a girl who needs the Plan B pill and she has to go on a road trip to go get it. So there's that. And then there's this idea that maybe birth control in general will be outlawed in some of these states. I know that sounds crazy, but I think it could happen. Um, I mean, and we we even saw in, there was an episode of The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if that was first or second season, I can't remember, where June is getting ready to get her birth control pills subscription refilled, subscription, prescription refilled, and asks Luke to sign a paper. And he's like, you really need me to sign that so you can get birth control pills? And she's like, yes. And so there has been a conversation. There is a case on the books where you get privacy in the bedroom. And that could be from everyone to who you're having sex with, to if you use contraception or not, if you're a married couple who decides to use contraception or not. So there, there might be some bans on just plain old birth control. Clarence Thomas, mother of God, um, he went as far to say that if we have overturned Roe v. Wade, we should be looking at what else is on the books that we might want to reconsider. And a lot of that came down to mainly same-sex marriage and same-sex relationships. This kind of goes back to my, I mean, of course, conservatives that have problems with same-sex relationships and couples would love this, but it also goes further. You know, they don't have the numbers, to win the popular vote of the presidency anyway (laughs) in the United States. Um, And how do you, what's one way to make your voting population bigger is to make the other voting population, the liberal voting population smaller. And so if they were to once again, try to criminalize same sex marriage and relationships then you have a whole minority population at risk of becoming felons for just living their lives and taking them out of the voting pool. I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but the more people you can criminalize, the fewer people can vote and the better Republican odds become. They've already done this to people of color. So why are we so shocked? They're now trying to do it to basically everyone else who is not a straight white male and a, you know, subpopulation of the white females that vote for Trump. Um, so, yeah. The last thing that I find most disturbing, thank you, Rachel Meadow, for bringing this up because it was a huge, what the actual fuck moment for me when she said it was around the idea of fetal personhood. And what this means is that if a woman is pregnant, the fetus in her uterus is considered a full-blown person, which it's not. That fetus is not covered by insurance. Um, That fetus is not breathing. (sighs) It's not a person. It can't survive out of the uterus. Um, and I know it sounds crazy, but one of the crazy people I talked about earlier earlier actually does talk about fetal personhood often. And Rachel Neldo said, listen, with the SCOTUS we have now, if someone were to bring a fetal personhood case to the Supreme Court, they would probably grant fetal personhood to all fetuses, which means it would no longer be left up to the states whether abortion care could be legal or not. Because I believe it means anyone having abortion care could not just be penalized for abortion care, but perhaps for murder charges that they would be charged with if they killed an adult person. So that's all kind of like the potential bad news, which is why it's so important that we think really clearly moving forward about what we can be doing to turn this back around and I hate to break it to you folks but the Republican party spent about 40 years doing this granted Roe v Wade passed in 1973 honestly a lot of republicans did not give a shit about this as a wedge issue until Ronald Reagan was in office so you know early 80s that's when things they really made this a wedge issue and a voting issue because you know, it was like, it was a re- Republican everything when Roe v. Wade passed. It was a very conservative court, SCOTUS court when Roe v. Wade um, was was brought in. So um, I would just say this isn't gonna turn back to, women aren't gonna get their full rights back overnight. Can't even believe I have to say that. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. This is going to be a years long effort, and um, maybe decades. Sorry, um, but we got us here. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over like some of the things that we can be doing to work, to put it back, to give women their full body autonomy. Rights back. Vote, vote in every single goddamn election that you're able to vote in. There's no excuse now. I get my ballot by mail. It's easiest thing ever. And I used to love showing up at my my voting place, my place to vote. But you know what? I'm just like I mail that sucker in. I get a note to say when I should be getting my ballot. I get a text. I get a text when they've received my ballot. It's brilliant. Um, I have more confidence that my vote's being counted now than when I used to go to the polling place because you just kind of like stick it in the machine and, you know, sign of the cross. And it's like, hopefully that gets recorded, you know? um, (laughs) I think it's better by mail. So my number one kind of five things to do, it's a three-part thing. Vote, march slash protest as much as you can. Please participate in marches. Please post your views and thoughts online. Um, there is someone that I'm great friends with in the podcast community who has been posting her crap online. And she's like, Oh my God, my, you know, some of my relatives are like, Are you okay? And she's like, No, I'm not fucking okay. Anyway, but she's posting online, regardless of what her family might think and believe, because this is important to her. And granted, I don't expect people to change the minds of people who claim to be pro-life. However, I think by posting where you stand online is very important right now because it will show someone who might be in need, who is a safe person to reach out to if they need help right now. And I think knowing, having people know that you're a safe person is 100,000 times more important than having a friend or relative say, oh my God, so and is poor choice. Do you know what I mean? So vote, march, protest, post, donate if you can. Um, there are a lot of organizations. There's one organization in particular I was hearing about on the radio. It's called Pink House. Um, they were uh, uh, abortion care facility in Mississippi they can no longer be an abortion care facility in Mississippi so they are setting up in New Mexico pink house west organizations like this are going to need funds to set up in locations where they can and funds to help women get to locations where they can get the abortion care they need so those are kind of like the kind of activism things I think for any family that has girls in it, it's more important than ever to have a really clear, candid, non embarrassing. These are the potential repercussions of not understanding what sex is all about. It is time for some really big, very thorough and detailed sex talks especially when it comes to birth control, especially when it comes to abortion care, when it comes to consent. I mean, the whole enchilada, like I feel like there's a, a depth of conversations that need, to be ha- that need to be had in households with girls to just help them be equipped for what this means for them and their futures. I just think of all my friends with daughters right now, and it's overwhelming to think we're in this situation where, you know, getting a little careless one night could cost you in so many more ways than it could last week. Um, Not only have really big sex talks with girls in depth, answer any questions, you cannot be embarrassed anymore. Their life is at stake. Their lives are at stake, their lives, their futures, everything in a way that is so much more terrifying than it was when I was growing up. And even then, it was pretty fucking terrifying. Like my biggest fear was getting pregnant in high school. So I did not have sex until I was out of high school. Spoiler alert. Um, I sure wanted to, but I didn't because I was that paranoid. And you know what? It's wrong to be that paranoid when you love someone and wanna have a deep relationship with them. Um, It's messed up. We should be a better society than that where we don't have to get all our panties in a knot about sex because it's something completely normal. I would also say for family with girls, like dance classes are great. I love seeing recital photos and I'm sure my niece is gonna be in dance but you know what, if I had a daughter right now, I'd be like, you're going to take martial arts lessons. I would have those girls in any type of martial arts slash self-defense classes they could possibly take because in one way, shape or form, they're going to need them more than ever. Sorry. It's just, I see things coming. I fear things coming. Um, and I just want girls to Know a few tricks so they can easily fight back if they need to. Let's see. My number three tip. So, men, this one is for you. If you already have the kids that you want to have, or if you know that you don't want to have kids at all, please go get a vasectomy. I know you're probably cringing with your legs crossed right now. Sorry, guys, but I have to tell you, and I find this again utterly appalling for how different it is to be a woman in this society. But I was reading and getting a vasectomy with insurance; it will only cost you like maybe fifty to seventy bucks. Um, yes, you're going to be sitting on a bag of ice for a couple of days afterwards but then it's going to be over. And then if you really decide one day that you want kids again, you can have it reversed. Women go through so much with hormonal birth control. Like, I don't, I don't know. And hormonal birth control is definitely not for everyone. Like people are like, Oh, go on the pill and get the ring, get the IUD. You know what? none of those things work for me in a way that is healthy for my body, me personally. And I also know women who were on birth control, the pill for years. And then when it did come time for them to, you know, um, that they wanted to start their family, like they just like stopped ovulating. They had to do all sorts of shit to like get things working again. And You know what? They just don't let, uh, like tubal ligations, a lot of times they don't let you get one in the first place. (gasps) They don't. Um, Not without, like, usually permission from a husband. Um, You know, they will, I've read stories of women who really wanted to get their tubes tied and they they hadn't had kids. They didn't want to have kids. You know, tubal ligation, getting your tubes tied. It's, it's a much more difficult procedure than a vasectomy. It costs a, ton of, a heck of a lot more, and it's a lot harder to get if you're a woman that does not have children. Like, I don't even know at this point, me, like I'm not in full-blown menopause yet, but I don't even know if they would give this to me as a 48-year-old woman just to make sure I can get pregnant because uh, I haven't had kids. California probably, but some of these other states, forget it, are you kidding me? My God. So men, please consider getting a vasectomy if you no longer want to have children or if you don't want to have children at all. I would almost guarantee that if you're a single guy who ended up getting a vasectomy because you don't want to have kids, and you're dating a woman who does not want to get pregnant anytime soon? I don't know. I think that would be a selling point for me. Like, oh, you have, you know, you've had a vasectomy. Awesome. This is great news. Yeah. So that might be a selling point in your, you know, dating resume. Anyway, let's see. As important it is to have big sex talks with girls, you know, people raising boys, I think it's really also very important for you to be having these conversations um, with your male kids in terms of consent. There's this great video about consent and it's a cartoon and it's about having tea. Maybe your friend wanted tea and then they decided they didn't wanna have tea. That's a good video, I think, to help explain to boys consent and girls too, but I think consent's really important. I think helping your boys understand that they have to take responsibilities for their actions one way or another is also important. And to understand that even taking responsibility now in some states, looks much different than it did last week because it's one thing for a guy to say if you want an abortion i'll help you pay for an abortion well now it's like it's not just the abortion it's the plane ticket to california it's a hotel room for a few days while you recuperate and um you know we still don't know if they're going to try to prosecute people that um help women get abortions out of state. I know that sounds crazy, but this is just shitty. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. We're in such a shitty place for everyone with kids. This is the one time in my life I am really fucking glad I don't have kids right now because this is so shitty. So yeah, talk to your boys, get them to understand that, you know, Masturbation's great, and um, talk to talk to mom and dad before you decide to have start having sex because we need to make sure that you have whatever contraceptive is available to you. And I mean, if it's not, I don't know. No one's really been talking about outlawing condoms, which is great, but you know, those aren't foolproof. Just saying. They are not. Um, And the fifth thing I was going to talk about was just like, you know, self-care. And it's funny because I know a lot of people on Friday were like, I'm going on a bender. And it's like, yes, have a drink, but let's, this isn't the time to like drink ourselves into a hole because we're sad and pissed off. It's like, You know, we have to keep our wits about us because there's a lot of work that needs to be done and needs to be done consistently. And no, I'm not telling people not to drink. Hey, when you have a crappy day, when you hear this news, have a drink. But don't let this like run your life in terms of trying to dull the pain away because the pain I think is going to make everyone a lot stronger and want to fight a lot harder. And we definitely need to fight harder. I actually will say that I have one more thing to add to this and um, it's gonna sound crazy, but some of the same technology that is allowing me to bring this podcast to you that you're probably listening to on your smartphone is also potentially gonna be used against women, um, is potentially gonna be used against women. There was something when the the leak about v. Way being overturned first came out that was like, delete all your period tracking apps, women. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, delete your period tracking apps. Um, I used one, <laughs> used past tense. It's gone from my phone now. And you probably think, you're practically menopausal. What do you need a period tracking app for? It's like, that's why I need a period tracking app. It's like, are you kidding me? Like one month I could be like, ooh, three weeks late. Is this it? Is it finally happening? And then it's like, no. And then it's like, ooh, but you were three weeks late. I don't want anyone knowing I was three weeks late and wondering if maybe I was pregnant during that time. Fuck that. Are you serious? Someone's going to like, get on my back because I'm about ready to go through menopause because my periods are now irregular for the first time in my life. And just think women with miscarriages. I mean, it's a whole privacy rat hole. And um, a lot of the big companies, they were really quick to jump on board with, oh yes, we are going to pay for employees that need abortion care and their state doesn't support it, we will pay for them to go to somewhere they can get it. They'll pay for all travel procedure, whatever, everything else, which is great. However, they've said nothing about data privacy during this. Um, And that kind of goes down from everything from like, you know, where you're traveling to, what cities you go to, um, all this other stuff that's so digitally recorded and, I would just say that if you're a woman who needs a pregnancy test, this is how I would buy pregnancy tests now. I would put on a wig, maybe a hat too, some sunglasses. I would drive to a far, I would drive to like a pharmacy, a CVS or a Target or whatever without my phone. My phone would stay at home, drive to Target, pick up the test, whatever else I ne- needed. Not too much of what else I needed because there's no way I would ever put a pregnancy test purchase on a credit card, debit card, whatever, again, I wouldn't do it. Um, If you were a woman who needs to get a pregnancy test, I would take every precaution to make sure that is a no fingerprints purchase, that a camera can't identify you purchasing this, walking into the target, that there is no um, record of you buying it Uh, on your bank account or your credit card statement or your debit card statement that you pay cash. And um, no one needs to know if you're buying a pregnancy test or not, and for what reason you might be buying it, whether it's because you're hoping it's positive or you're fearing it's negative. No one needs to know, uh, or you're fearing it's positive um, or fearing it's negative. There's so much involved, so many emotions involved with with pregnancy and having babies or not having babies and, um, already, and now they're just making it so much worse, um, for women everywhere, uh, everywhere. So that's my long spiel. I kind of feel like I've been a raving lunatic. Um, I kind of feel like a raving lunatic because I feel just like so angry and sad and sick and worried for women. Um, in this country and you know a lot of people have been like I think for years like you're overreacting like you know when Trump got elected or you know when one SCOTUS new SCOTUS gets appointed by him and it's just I mean I screamed out loud in my home when it was announced Ruth Bader Ginsburg died I screamed and then a few minutes later I heard someone else scream I don't know if it was for the same reason or not. I kind of hope it was, but it was, it was alarming. Um, it's alarming. And this is very alarming. And if you're making light of this or think, oh, it, this doesn't worry me because I live in California, which is a state that's still, you know, re- abortion care is still legal. And And we're going to help women and people. I would just say, listen, we need to just fight as hard as we can, no matter where we live, we need to proceed with also an abundance of caution. And we need to just try to be smart and be aware it can get worse. And if you want to understand how it can get worse, if you're listening to this podcast, you already watched The Handmaid's Tale, you know how bad it can get. And while reading the book years ago when I was in college, I read it and put it down and just kind of said, that's fucked up. Yes, it is. And you know what? Just about every flashback scene we've seen in this show is kind of where we're at now. Like very, very icky territory. So just vote take care of yourself have tough conversations with your kids if you've got kids um don't be afraid to tell friends and family where you stand on this matter this isn't it's easy to say someone who is pro-choice is pro-abortion and it's like the majority of people who are pro-choice probably never want to have an abortion. People aren't pro-choice or pro-abortion care because they think one day I'm going to have an abortion. It is not about that at all. It is about, listen, and this is me personally speaking, but I think this is also a lot of women. I have my full life been 99% sure that if I got pregnant, I would have the baby, 99% sure, leaving that margin of error for something catastrophic happening that led to that pregnancy. However, seeing friends go through difficult pregnancies, violent and abusive relationships, and a variety of other things that can go wrong with pregnancies or in life, You even want the option to choose if there is that 1% chance you need to have an abortion, even if you don't want it. Um, It's not about what we want, it's about what we need. And whether people like it or not, abortion care, not just in this country, but around the world, is something women need to have access to and they need to have choices around. And that's just the way it is. Um, That's just the way it is. So thank you again for listening today. Uh, We will be back with the podcast in September um, when season five drops. It's looking very exciting and interesting. And um, Hopefully I will not be back to podcast on some other kind of crazy development regarding abortion care. But if it happens, I will be as soon as I feel mentally and physically able to. Um, I tried to organize my thoughts in this podcast. I don't feel like I did the greatest job about it, but it's certainly much better than it would have been on Friday. So anyway, thank you. Take care. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Try not to. And just time to fight, guys. You know, it's it's time to fight, you know, in the smartest ways we can with voting, protests, statements, donations, lending a helping hand. Um, and yeah, take care.